Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's that time of the week again, the rugby league rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And back for the second time this week to look at the top eight teams contending the 2021 NRL Vines Series before looking at the first four finals clashes we have for this weekend. Boxhead, how's your week been going since we spoke last? Yeah, all right. <clears throat> Not much you can fucking do at home. So. <laughs> Good times. Plugging away. Plugging away. But for everybody out there, if you haven't already... Season reviews for the bottom eight teams is available in the podcast with uh, the round 25 review we did earlier in the week from about the hour 20 mark onwards is the season review for the eight teams that missed out. We'll be doing what we did last year and just tacking those onto the back of each week's show. So for this week example, uh, if it does happen to be seventh and eighth who are eliminated next week, we'll be reviewing and previewing as well as uh, reviewing the season of those two teams and so on and so forth until we get to the end of the season but exciting times finals football is upon us Brock it's probably felt uh, I wouldn't say monotonous but I've enjoyed everything purely because you know lockdown you look forward to anything other than just going to work or being stuck at home but we've had a lot of blowouts we've had a lot of big scores we're down to the business end of the season and I'm really really hoping uh, we'll get a couple more competitive matches just purely for what's on the line. Yeah, yeah, pumped. Love final three. <coughs> uh, yeah, the season's been a little bit predictable, but like it is what it is, isn't it? Like, we just get on with it now. Like finals are here. Everyone sort of said the whole year it's been a comp in, you know, probably a top six. Uh, the, the Roosters and the Eels have, I don't think they're shooings to win this weekend. I think the top four are clearly far better than the bottom four and um, it's just going to be interesting there could be upsets in three of the four games I can't see Penrith getting beat but I I can see a world where Manly win I can see a world where Newcastle win and I can see a world where the Gold Coast win so yeah it should be really really interesting 100% 100% looking forward to it. So let's do a powerful preview of the top eight sides before we jump in and look at those four clashes brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Tackle your rising power bills this season. Head on with the help of Solar Energy. The team at Penrith Solar are passionate about helping you sin bin those rising electricity bills for good. Find out how Penrith Solar can make you, your family, the real big winners this season with quality solar solutions for your home. Visit www.penrithsolar.com.au or call 1800-2029-30 today talk to Jake and the crew the first of those finals teams qualifying in at 8th position is the Gold Coast Titans 10 and 14 record slipped in in the last round and I think it's pretty straightforward from what we've seen 
this year. Uh, attacks their go. Defence, obviously, not a strong point. But on their day, when they get it right and they you know, think stick attack-wise, they generate some go forward, they find some second phase and they, and they just play freely. Uh, they can certainly attack with the best teams in the competition. The biggest question for finals for them, looking at strengths and weaknesses, is quite clear. Can they be better defensively? Can they be resilient if they have to defend back-to-back sets and yardage? Um, just overall better in all areas with their defence? Yeah, that's a big question. Have to defend better attack. They're going to be fine. Although I don't like Peachy at six, I'd much prefer to see Toby Sexton there. Uh, yeah, Campbell Samuel since he's coming in. We're limited at nine, but yeah, we certainly play, <clears throat> I guess, a style of footy that you know is conducive to scoring a lot of points, but our, our defence has to be far better than, than what it's been for the majority of this year to compete in finals footy. Mm. And to the point you've just made, we spoke about this before, limited at nine, and I think with Peachy there in the halves, it sort of limits things. It puts all the onus on Fogarty to do what he does do well, which is kick and control things. But with Sexton, you bring in an extra ball player, a runner, good short kicking game, and the nine situation is not that great to the extent where I wouldn't consider playing Peachy there, in all honesty, and having Rain as the bench player and not having Clark in the team at all. But uh, it's obviously not something they're going to do, but we talk about attack uh, with a forward pack that contains Fotu Aka, Tino Fasuma, Aoi, Fafita, even though um, off the bench and you know, the way they utilise them at times, I think they could do a little bit more. They they generate a lot of things off their gun forwards. They generate ruck momentum. They can get second phase. Someone like Campbell now brings a bit of X factor, which is something a little bit like Brimson, but even more free willing, a bit more vision, I guess, a bit more natural ability to see things unfolding or breaking down. And at times as well, I think underutilise their centres. Um, when they generate good uh, roll forward and get a bit of space on the outside. I think Kelly at times is underutilised if he gets some early football and sort of the opposite side of the field, you've got Herbert who typically in the same sense, one-on-ones, early ball, good matchup. So I think all that side of the ball, I can find lots of positives, but the biggest worry, like we just said, um, defence in all areas and whether if they get into a grind and start to fall behind or they're lacking a bit of cohesion from there and they do need to dig themselves out. We talk about attack, can definitely come off the forwards, but not having... A gun nine, not having two halves. If they do get in a hole, can they generate points out of those guys or find a key moment? Yeah, it's very true. It's very true. Moving on from them, Newcastle, they came in at seventh. For me, this one, um, I've been carrying on about it for weeks now. The bread and butter of this side and what they need to get back to is that forward pack. When they've got the Safidi twins, Barnett, Frizzell, Watson, who plays that new style of lock roll, um, they can certainly generate plenty of ruck speed. They've got Braley, who's smart, manipulates well, gets his forwards over the advantage line, isolates defenders, can play down, runs when the opportunity's there. That Canberra game that I keep referencing was just the perfect game for me when I look at Newcastle and everything that I expect to see. When their forward pack puts a dent in the side and just punches the door in two or three times to tighten things up and they get space, early board Ponga, not with shape, not with these shitty set plays, not with double leads, two sweeps, etc. putting him in a set position. Early ball, three wide, and just let him play what he sees. He can isolate defenders, cut back inside, skip across, beat a man. It freed up best in that Canberra game. That's that's possibly the best he's looked, because completely honest, he's going to have to add more layers to his game. Um, 
moving forward. Like he's a real power based player. You can see why he's gone through the grades and he's had all the wraps on him. But realistically, he's not what I'd call a natural runner of the football. Nine times out of ten, when he gets the ball, he's either bulldozing someone or he's hitting a hole. But he doesn't have great rugby league movement. Whereas in that game, you could see Ponga utilising him and everything was sort of coming off the back of him. So I look at that game and think if they're not able to find some sort of semblance of that off their go forward and free the attack strings up a little bit, they're going to struggle. If, if it's going to be this persistence with long side shifts doing the same play and putting Ponga in a box and you know Pierce having to kick him out of trouble and defend and Clifford similar deal having to play to that structure... He himself is better off just playing off that momentum, playing through wide, run pass. Um, yeah, I just it's more the attack that worries me, and it's been proven that they haven't had their spine on the field for the whole year. But they're the second worst attacking team in the competition. Yeah, that's a that's a massive concern. Right. Yeah, Newcastle just haven't impressed me in the last two weeks. I'll, I'll be completely honest. Their attack is predictable, so they're going to have to come up with something different this weekend. Simple as that. Uh, I love Mitchell Pearce. I, I love their forward pack. I love their nine. Their edges, to me, leave a lot to be desired. I think Bradman Best's defence is ordinary. I'm not overly convinced that they're, you know, they're, they're back three at great in yardage, and they're going to have to bring the ball out of yardage with Parramatta complete and Mitchell Moses kicks well, so... Yeah, they're just, they're just a strange one for me. Newcastle, like, I felt really good about them after that Canberra game, and they got on a bit of a run there, but, you know, the, the way they fluffed around against the Gold Coast, I know they won, but that was a pretty ordinary game of footy, and then to come out and get ragdolled what they did against the Broncos. Yeah, unless they just, they're, they've just played with their cards up their sleeve last weekend, which is entirely possible. I just found... Last weekend, really strange and hard to get a read on. So it'll be, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be watching intently to see how they, uh, intently to see how they come out this weekend. Mm. Parramatta, the next one we got here in six. There's a straightforward, and we saw it the other week when they got their power game going and they play off the back of that. Um, they could beat anyone, and what comes from that power game is confidence for their halves to play square, play on the ball, you know, get up in the line and play again that two or three wide and sort of engage a little bit more when they play off the back foot and they're flat the halves in particular Moses very sideways shift for a shift the attack it just completely drains out of them and they don't really have a strike player somewhere there in those key spine members probably Bar Brown Brown's a really good runner of the football but again not so much off the back foot Um, so I'm just looking now what they took from that storm game and you want that particularly in the whole blueprint of that, which was play one-two both sides of the ball. When they dominated play one-two off a good kick chase and shut Melbourne down, they pinned them, they started to strangle, Moses kicked well, and then off the back of that, they set started very well. Ferguson stint out. Um, he come back with plenty of fire under his belt. When he got the set started, they jumped on the back of it. They're going to get Campbell Gillard back this week to help out Paulo. Brown, who was quiet for a month, etc. Um, so if those guys can punch forward, lay a good platform, you know, we, we know they're not going to get a lot out of nine since they lost Marnie, who sort of brought a bit more of a layer to their attack in terms of kicking and ball playing a little bit. Yeah, all starts with their forward pack, play one to either side of the ball. And if they do that and Moses can kick well, Brown now back on the left can unlock some things and Gutson just floats around with plenty of energy. Um, 
you can see some positive. I guess the big thing, can they repeat that Melbourne game if they get to week two, three, four, etc.? Can they repeat that sort of performance three or four times? I don't think that's going to be the case. And the other thing is just the makeup of the bench. Um, looking at the last few weeks, looking at what he's named this week, Lane's sort of been out of the side. He's now starting back row. Near Corey was centre, bench forward, prop. Now he's on an edge. He clearly liked what he's seen because he's now pushed Papali back to the bench as a middle rotation, which apparently that's where Papali wants to play. He wants to be a front row and not an edge, even though I thought he was outstanding there. So you've strengthened your middle rotation, but your edges are certainly different. Um, very big side. There's going to be some adjustment there. There's no way that he starts off the bench. Mm. And then he's got Madison and Kafusi out of his side altogether. So, um, yeah, he's gone with... Well, Madison's been his man. He'll, he'll play. Yeah, he's gone with Will there's Smith. There's going to be a lot of shuffling here. Oh, I think the biggest one is uh, Young Lussick. He's gone. Not playing nine. Yeah, I think he's so injured. I think that's... comes in. Like, that's... I thought Lussick was huge for them. I thought so, he was going well. Stone's limited. Like, he's... Well, he's not a hooker. You know, he's, he's a good utility, but he's not, he's not a hooker. So that's, that's really going to hurt Parramatta. Mm. Service and manipulation out of nine. Yeah, it, like you said about getting Kevin Gillard, Dark and Paulo and Brown, Lane and Nurekore. Like, I'll be starting with Papa Lee and Madison. I wouldn't be having either of those start. I'd be rolling Nurekore on if you want to move Papa Lee into the middle then I'd do it that way I'd be starting with him on an edge and then roll him into the middle when you bring Brown or one of the props off but yeah there's no there's no way I'm sitting Papa Lee for that initial part of the game like if Parramatta start to get rolled over a little bit on the edges or in the middle because you don't have the best players out there like it's that just seems like you know an, an invitation for Newcastle to come and jump you early to me mm, so but, Lussick. Yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of ducks and drakes going on there looking at that team and the way it's been named. Lussick's out with a calf strain, so Stone... Yeah, it's, it's a huge, huge loss. Yeah, Stone, you're not going to get the service. And, you know, Lussick's not expressed. I just think, like, an Ari Tawala and Holm Hunt, they have to play on front rows. They're going to have to help those middle forwards get themselves up the field. Uh, because you, you know what Parramatta are going to do. Hmm. They're going to kick long, chase hard, and try and just pin you in the corner and, you know, use their middles and Moses' kicking game. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the Roosters and having a quick look at them as a whole before the matchup previews. I think this one's straightforward. They've adapted and overcome every single situation, and now they're slowly starting to get some guys back in at the most critical time. Manu was a huge loss, the way they sort of reshuffled their attack. Um, it sort of remained last week, but they didn't have Manu essentially as almost a second floating one. But Tedesco's game's just elevated the more people that have gone. He's almost turned into an extra half. He's playing short sides. He's pushing to them in the field still. He's pinballing off plays. He's everywhere. Hutchison's just tied things up on that left side. He plays direct. He gets deep in the line. He's a big body. And like I said last week, um, my favorite thing about him is because he's willing to run and he is a big body, he can offload in contact as well. He doesn't overplay his hand with a pass, but he's been kicking well. They've named Lamb again, so it looks like they're going that defensive sort of edge over there with him and Morris. Um, Tedesco, obviously, is going to be the one to roll off, but getting Jared back, getting Radley back, Crichton the week before with Satilli, it's a really strong pack. Toki had his best game. It pushes both the Butchers back to the bench with Liu, which gives them a better rotation. Um, looking at them, it's, it's a simple formula for finals. They know what they're doing. 
they may be missing some key guys, but that pack rotation now, as long as no one gets suspended or injured, is going to give them, you know, that upside of what they do best, which is get into the grind, play through the middle of the field, kick well, which they probably will from Hutchison, a simple game, and then Tedesco is going to be that key man trying to provide a bit of extra spark and. They've obviously got Walker there off the bench if they're looking for a bit of X Factor at different stages of the game as well. Yeah, I think Walker will start. <clears throat> Hutchison has done a good job. Yeah, look there. Oh, there's, there's an interesting sort of take, and I've been thinking about this since our last podcast. Like, do the Roosters now feel a little bit of pressure? Because all year they've sort of thought, well, you know, every, we've had injury after injury after injury, suspensions, nothing's really gone their way. They've been written off. No one's really expected a lot out of them. They've overachieved the whole year. No argument about that. But they're now going into a game where they're expected to win. It's finals, season on the line. Like, it's, it's a big stage now for, you know, the likes of Walker and Hutchison. Like, it'd be Hutchison's. I, I think it'd be his first start of the half during the finals game. So it's, yeah... Look, I feel like the Titans, the pressure for the Titans was to make the eight. Now they're sort of going, oh, okay, we're here. It's a bit of a throw the stumps mentality for them, whereas the Roosters, it's certainly a game they're expected to win. So I'll just be interested to see how they start, what their mindset's like. And no doubt they'll be prepared well because Robinson's you know, done an excellent job this year. But, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see how they, whether they just keep rolling with that mentality like, you know, underdog mentality, if they can maintain that and just play the style they've been playing. Mm. Because they get quiet and they get <clears throat> Bradley back, which are going to be huge boosts for them. So, uh, plus Warrior Hargreaves. Yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting. But, mm. you know, Hutchinson's done such a good job. Like, he makes his tackles, kicks well. He's improved his, his short and his attacking kicking game. Like, he's always had a good long kick, but... His attacking kicking game, particularly those, you know, a couple of those kicks to the wingers, uh, to Tupo's edge on, the, on last Thursday night were unreal, like how accurate they were. <clears throat> so they're going to cause Titans issues because we don't traditionally defuse bombs on the edges too well. So I think that'll be that'll be somewhere where they'll target. Uh, but they're just a they're, they're a great side. They've got a fantastic culture. They're a culture of winning. And they'll turn up expecting just to, to get a result. Wouldn't matter whether they're playing Melbourne or the Titans. They they'd be expecting to turn up and give a good account of themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, fourth out of that top eight to look at, Manly, and uh, obviously it wasn't a great start to the year, but they've come good. They've found a pair of back rowers, Morgan Harper, Saab got his opportunity. They've really just started to unfold as the year's gone on. Tommy coming back was a big key. Kepi's proved to be a value. Lawton in the mid-season transfer. Walker in that utility floating style of role. Foreign, the more he's played, the more games he's got and got confidence back into himself. You could go on all day um, in terms of what they've found, but realistically, in the end now, they've developed good go forward. They play off the back of that. Croker's learnt to manipulate and be better. Edges, we know that a lot of that's freed up by the threat of Trebojevic. It puts a lot of pressure on people to make decisions. Um, he floats in around the ruck as well off the back of the momentum. You can't just rely on edges. He'll play off play the balls. If he gets momentum, he'll jump in behind markers. He'll skip across if, if lines are retreating and try and get outside players. Um, Schuster on the left gives foreign an outlet as well to not have to worry about ball playing. He can just play direct, give early, 
play short or play that back shape. That gives him a, that sort of extra threat there. And then on the right side, similar deal with Olakowatu. You've got someone who's not only outstanding with the football, but one of the best decoys you're going to find. So they've had a lot of success with players sweating on him when DC engages and he's got Tommy out the back where a lot of the time they can play there. And if they don't hit Olakowatu, it's opened up a shitload of space for Tommy, Harper, or whoever they've played. I think the one thing I've kind of got for Manly is 1-17. to They've developed a really good side now. They really have. But they haven't really played many of the top eight. That Penrith game was sort of in the start of that run. Penrith won that game. It's a long time ago now. The Melbourne game, people gave them lots of credit, and I thought they were good. But end of the day, they didn't come up with the result. There was no Nelson, Felice, and I think Finucane, so they're going to have those couple of guys back as well. And at times, just looking at a few games where they've had to cycle and go set for set, uh, like the Cowboys game on the weekend, it's not something they really enjoy. It's not to say they can't do it, but they love playing with flow. They love momentum. They love shifting in yardage. When things are going their way and they're getting six agains and breaking tackles and they've got the football and it's just all momentum, 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 and they're pounding you with the football, they're very, very dangerous. But the finals, it's a lot less likely in this run that if they have to play a Melbourne-Penrith combination and somebody else, or if you know they win through, etc., like I don't think it's going to be quite the same. Like I'm not saying they can't do it, but yeah, I don't think the games are going to be quite as easy. Well, now, now it's time to prove the point, isn't it? Because mm. we've we've seen all week that you know they played <clears throat> any any team in the top five or whatever that they've played in the last eighteen weeks they've lost to. Otherwise, they've beaten everyone else below them. You know, <clears throat> South are similar. Like they've you know, lost to Melbourne Penrith only, beating everyone else. Now, like, now's the time. The, the time for talk and that we're the real deal and that we can beat Melbourne or we can beat Penrith, now's the time to do it. So there's no, no argument that they've got the talent there manly. They've got great cohesion at the moment. Uh, their halves are playing enormous footy. Tom Dragojevic is the form player in the comp, playing out of his skin. Uh, but look, the question for me is, can the Ford pack generate enough opportunities for those players against those better defensive teams like Penrith and Melbourne. That, that's, you know, where it's going to be won and lost for Manly. If they can roll and get ruck momentum and bust them, the Storm and the Panthers middle up, they're, they're going to be really, really hard to contain and they're every chance of going on a run and potentially winning the comp. But if they get chewed up there and Melbourne and Penrith's defence dictate terms to Manly, then they're, they're not going to get a lot of love. And they're not going to have a lot of success. So that, that's got to be the the focus. The, the other focus is got to be about getting their kicking game right and having foreign. I think foreign's got to think run and pass sport because that's that's his strength. And Cherry Evans has got to kick well, um, you know, and and get their their sequences of play right and ensure that Tom Turbo is getting the ball whenever he wants it and in good positions on the field. Um, and th- you know they've got great edges. You know I think they lack a little bit in sort of the centres and outside backs. But <clears throat> you know when you've got Turbo there, and, um, you know nine's probably another one. Like they've, they've bloody overachieved at nine. What what they've generated out of um, you know the nine position this year has been unreal. Like Hasler deserves to a tip of the cap for how they've managed that and how he's turned four and around into a commodity that you know is now. You know, one of the one of the better halves in the comp to you know a bloke that wasn't really wanted. Like he got punted by the dogs. I know a lot of that was because of injury, but 
Yeah, mainly, mainly to me now that Latrell is out, look, the only threat, like, I, I still don't take Parramatta seriously. I, you know, and I could be completely wrong and off about that, but mainly are going to get two cracks at it. So I give them a better chance. I, I don't give South a great chance. I know we're going to move on to them now, but the loss of Latrell is huge. Mainly don't have a lot of injuries, so that, that's certainly got to bode well for them. Yeah. Yeah, re- really interesting. Yeah, it's just time to shut up now. I'm sick of hearing about fucking records and, you know, who we played. And, oh, it doesn't matter. Who cares? You're there, you finish fourth, you play in Melbourne. If you're good enough, win. If you don't, shut up. Yeah. Um, Sias, you just mentioned, that was points is going to make it. Sias, no problem with attack again, and it's going to still be affected by Latrell, but. Reynolds, Walker, left-hand side in particular, shapes they get there. You know, I think Taff is going to have to be critical and nowhere near as impactful in terms of what he does with kick returns, damage, individual carries, all that sort of stuff. But he's going to have to nail his run-pass selection and when they get that shape right because that half the reason that is so good is there's two things that make up for any fault. If there's anything that's not slick in terms of drawing inside, passing, getting Cody pushing onto the ball who gets really deep line, hits Luttrell. There's small things at times, whether it be timing-wise or lines or deception, that if they get it wrong, it's just still balanced out by the fact that they've got two threats in Cody and Luttrell who can both run, both pass, sum up a three-on-two, two-on-one, four-man cutout, three-man cutout, back pass, short pass. Like Between those two, they can figure it out any single way, even when they get it wrong. And the other thing is they've got the greatest equalizer of all, Alex Johnston, who, more than anyone, finishes a lot more tries than most purely on speed. There's sometimes where things don't flow as well or the shape's not as clean. He still finds a way to get to the corner. You take Luttrell out of that mix, it's even more crucial that the inside work is better. So Reynolds is going to have to do an even better job holding up the inside. Walker is going to have to be more of a run threat to try and pull in that outside man, not just a lead back rower or centre, to try and create space for Taff, who's probably not as big a run threat. He will run, and he's confident to run, but he's not the physical presence of a Luttrell. So that critical left side where they generate so much of their points, um, when they do get their chances, is going to have to be even better and take it when they do. Yeah, Grant, look, Walker's just going to be the best on the field. Yeah. He's going to push him around, organise kick. Walker has to play almost like a fullback and a five-eight in one. Well, I think the other like, one is. I'd even, I'd even swap. I'd swap Walker out with Tarf at times and put Walker at fullback and try and generate some stuff with him bringing the ball back, and then get him, you know, back out to his edge to ball play. Like he's, he's going to have to be a little bit of an everywhere man, and I think he's got, he's got to think run, 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 run. Like get on the back of some quick play the balls. As soon as one of those middles gets down and up, Cook gets out, Walker's got to be there with Cook, and they're going to play, they're going to try and bust Penrith up through the middle of the field, and that'll open up that shift to that left hand side. Look, at, I know that they're going to try and get to you know that right post and play to the left, but you know Penrith are going to prep for that all week, so they have to make sure they've got some shots that they can produce down their right hand side with Reynolds, and they're also they just have to play off the cuff. They've got to. Look at Penrith's defence, and you know the Penrith are not too dissimilar to how Melbourne would defend. And that they'll just try and get numbers in, slow you down, get their numbers right, and get off really hard and dictate terms to you. South, particularly on play one two, they've got to generate 
um, ruck speed. And if, there, if there's no ruck speed generated from the middles, Walker and Reynolds have to carry the ball and run and Cook has to run and they have to generate their own ruck speed. Like the worst thing you could hear if you weren't going at the end of the game and uh, Andrew Demetrio is that, oh, we didn't have enough ruck speed. We, didn't, we couldn't generate anything. Like, if you're a key position player and the forwards aren't generating it, it's your fucking job to generate it. Yeah, I think the other question for me, or the one who's, again, probably gone with a lot, out a lot the last few years, is Damien Cook. Yeah. Like, since these rules come in, he's not had many big games, and even, like, Origin, he did his job, but his impact should be much, much more, and part of that, people say, oh, well, the forward pack, the forward pack, even in the games they've won by 50, 60 points, he still hasn't been anywhere near as impactful as what you'd expect, so he needs to take some serious onus in this game. If you're an international origin hooker wanting to claim that mantle you've got to do a lot more like I think Arpy, Harry Grant Cheese I think there's multiple hookers at other clubs right now that are better than Cook um, two years ago basically now there's still a lot of things that are based off two years ago so he needs to be good uh, Nichols Totola Burgess Arrow like at times they generate some ruck speed but there's a lot of workers there like Nichols is a worker Totola can get a quick play of the ball and he's got some feet but he's a worker Arrow's a worker. I, I, I question, again, I've said it all year, their forward pack up against Panthers and Storm in particular for 80 minutes winning that battle. Um, it's, it's hard. Like Murray, you know, is going to generate ruck speed. And Kaloa Matungi's proved to be a hell of a player on his edge. He's, he's put Sewer back into the back row, I think, more defensively. Um, he's a bit hit and miss in attack and the way he runs his lines, etc. But back three is the one you just touched on before, and that's the one that I'd be worried about for them. Uh, you know... Generating ruck speed. Latrell is a big help in that regard. Paulo's a bigger body, but he's error prone. This week, though, having Paulo Taff in particular with the kicking that Cleary's going to do, we saw what they did to Mansour. I'm not saying these guys aren't as good under the high ball, but there's going to be plenty of kick pressure, kicks, kicks in behind, bombs, etc. Lots of variety, I think, going to Paulo and Taff in particular. So that's my sort of thoughts on South. There's just a few question marks in a few areas that you could expose. But Penrith finished second. The next one I've got here. Uh, there's not a whole lot you can pick out in Penrith, to be honest. I think, like we said, the move for Pungai Jr. and the timing, near perfect. You start and pack. You know what you're getting out of Laota and Fisher-Harris. It's a hell of a platform. They're dangerous on both sides of the field with both their back rowers. Kick out similar to like that Alakawatu shape. He's got ball skills, even though I think he overplays his hand at times. Runs a good line, powerful. It's just what you get on a week-to-week basis that worries you. Kate Wells is a slick mover, good feet, hits holes, yo. Perfect link man, leg speed around the ruck, gets between defenders. Chorus out, dictates, manipulates, does all that work around there. And then you've got the ultimate steering wheel and the best halfback in the competition and probably the best kicking game in Cleary, who just frees up Luai to run that super dangerous left edge and Burton coming in this year as opposed to what they had last year has sort of added that extra ball playing layer and another layer of danger that they probably didn't get out of Edwards in May. Um, Momorowski's catch pass and some of the subtleties to his game is the reason why they've pushed Crichton to the wing, which also helped their yardage game, which I banged on about for weeks about Staines and why he's no longer in the side. And I think all those things have sort of taken pressure off Edwards' role and those few extra things I think he needed to improve on. And he's just been able to bust his ass, push around the football, make plenty of metres and when you talk about all those spots there the bench make up even after losing Sorensen you've got Martin Pungai Jr who can both play middle and edge so if you get injuries or need to reshuffle you can 
Martin's play at Origin. Pungai already looks better because he's playing around better players and in particular halves that utilise him better. And now you've got Lane who coming as that extra middle who for 20, 25 minutes has some of the best leg speed in the comp. The one that interested me uh, was Kenny. He's on the bench and I think I saw something the other day that may be an injured. So you probably, you don't get as much flexibility in terms of what you can use Kenny for because he's essentially a hooker middle um, as opposed to a May who can obviously cover halves hooker a few more spots. But I don't see many weaknesses in Penrith. It's just straightforward with them. You've got to match their attitude, their energy. You've got to do what Melbourne did to Nathan, kick pressure, hammer him, get stuck into him, get stuck into their forward pack, try and stop the yardage game of Toto in particular. He's the real focal point um, in getting sets going. And then, you know, other than that, uh, I think the only spot I sort of picked this out last year, which Melbourne went at, at times, I think, if you get a quick play of the ball, you can get a bit of love at that space between Kikau and Luai. They can be disconnected at times or a little bit lazy and get isolated. Yeah, you need to win possession. That's certainly the one thing you need to do against Penrith. But it, I think it's all going to hinge on Cleary, you know, whether he can work his magic. Their middle is unreal. Coruscant will do a job out of there. They've got revenge on their mind. Their sport's better. They're building momentum. They've had a rest. No, I, just, I just really like Penrith at the moment. I think they're really on a, on a nice upswing trajectory coming into the finals. You know, we're going to see whether they've really learnt <clears throat> the lessons. You know, out of that out of that grand final last year, they you know they were nervous in their two finals games last year. They you know went down early to both the Roosters and Souths. Um, and managed to sort of claw their way back and win both in really, really close games. And then the grand final, they you know they got jumped themselves and then made a you know a bit of a comeback at the end of that game. So you know I think they're, they're, what you really want to see if you're off Cleary is a real a maturity about their performance. They've certainly got the troops, they've got the experience. I think now they've got the confidence and the maturity, but it's it's time to prove it. And like you said, you know, Cleary will kick you to death. You know, their defence is outstanding. Their structure's good. Uh, and, and the way that they play in terms of their offence, they can hit you from anywhere on the park on any play. They don't play a lot of sequence footy. They've got to play or they've got to shape for every position on the field that they can just jump into and attack you straight away, which is, you know, the way that they attack is... Um, you know they're the only side that attacks like that in the competition or with that much fluency yeah um, and again they're, they're, they're very 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 dangerous uh, but you know if you're trying to beat them <clears throat> how do you beat them then yeah like you you got to rough them up a little bit you got to win the middle you got to win possession you need you know the rub of the green to go your way with the referees like, there is an avenue there to beat them, no well, doubt about it's it. It's essentially the South's first yeah. 30 minutes, but for a whole game. Yeah. They challenged them in the middle. They were winning the yardage battle. They kicked well. They did an okay job of you stopping the back three. Like, you, you've got to do all those things, but it's got to be 80 minutes because they just won't go away. Yeah. And we saw Melbourne do it last year in the grand final for probably 50, 60 minutes where they covered their attack, they absorbed everything, they threw at them, they got them on the counter, they got down there, they strangled them, they got repeat sets, built pressure, did all those things to them and 
you know, they got the try obviously off the Yo one, which was questionable, and then the last twenty minutes the sitting bins and you know coming over hot. But realistically, um, this year you're hoping, like you said, that they've learnt from that experience in a shaky final series and a lot of big rep games this year for a lot of guys will take them to that next level. Yeah. But um, the last team before we jump into the individual matchups and preview on those games is Melbourne, and again, uh, Smith moves on. Everyone has their doubts or their worries and how's it all going to work, but um, I think it spoke for itself this year. A little bit of a rough start. It's not been all smooth sailing despite people bringing up the 19 wins. They've had constant chopping and changing in the spine. Pappenhausen, great start of the year. Misses a long period of that concussion. Struggles his way back in, finds some form last week. Hines has that great run there. Munster's missed football and been in and out with Origin. Finucane's missed football. Nelson... Tui, um, you know, at times like they've had a lot of guys sort of in and out week to week in forward pack. Spines it quite, hasn't quite been settled. Harry's had two extended stints out. Cheese has led from the front. But what we do know is when their best team is on the field, it's a quality forward pack. It's full of experience. It does a job. The dual nine situation, um, everything from Melbourne for me starts centrally. Like Remus has been great on his edge, and you know, I'm so dangerous there, but everything good from the storm comes from the middle of the field. Like, if Jesse gets between defenders or rolls or Welch gets three in and offloads and you get Harry playing forward off that or Brandon Smith rolling off that when he's on the field, then you get Pappenhausen sniffing around the football. Then they jump into shape after what they've done in the middle of the field. And once they sort of break that down, again, they play to space straight away. They don't waste time, much like Penrith. They'll hit a Hughes who's got that run-pass option. They get early balls and one-on-ones to your O-Limes or your Remus Smiths who are good enough to beat their man, get outside, get an offload or, or physically beat them. Um, but everything for me is just the middle of the field is the key figure for Melbourne. The way their forward pack's built, the way their rotation will be now, having Tui and Nelson back and Cheese there to push in there and be an impact when they bring Harry on. All the good stuff that happens with Melbourne starts with their middles and then flows onto the quality on the outside. Questioning... Something uh, would be just, I guess, you know, right edge at times has been caught. I think that improved a lot once they had stability with Remus and George. You've seen that hole sort of open up as they've had Aaron Meyer and a couple of other guys have to come in. Um, and then back three at the back end of the season, there's been a bit of hesitancy and lack of communication, bombs hitting the ground, a bit more of a struggle in yardage, which is not ideal. Um, and then I guess deep water in these finals games, if they have to go back to back to back, We've seen them win these one-off games and win big games during the year, but can they do it in this final series if they get under duress now that they don't have someone like a Smith? Well, it remains to be seen, doesn't it? <clears throat> I don't like the way they're looking at the moment, but, you know, <clears throat> we know how Bellamy approaches the run into the finals. They haven't had a lot to play for over the last month. Like, I expect them to be primed up. I think you're going to get your best punch out of Melbourne right here in week one with the mindset like you just said to try and get a week off and then just go on that two week run into the into the grand final uh, they were deserved minor premiers they went on a you know a fantastic winning streak I think they've, been, they've had their eyes on this for, for some time uh, you know I don't <clears throat> I don't love how they look but I, I didn't love how they looked this time last year either and they just they came in and uh, they were just unreal in the finals mm. so yeah and I, I don't like this matchup for them like I, I think they probably they would have far preferred to play 
South than Manly. So, you know, I know they finished minor premiers, but they're not really getting a reward. They're getting the tougher matchup. I think I think Penrith have got the the perceived easier matchup against South Sydney because obviously one of their, if not their best player, at least one of their best three players, is not playing. So it'd be like Manly playing Manly missing Turbo or DCE. So. Mm. Yeah, Penrith are getting the reward really um, through no fault of their own. No, nah, just the way things uh, work out. Yeah, like it's, I don't like how they look. And, you know, I don't like this matchup. So, oh, I think they'd actually, they, they, they wouldn't want to play Penrith, but they, I don't think Melbourne fear or have a bigger rivalry as what they do, obviously, with Manly. So, there's just something about those Melbourne Manly games. And, and I think that rivalry brings them closer together. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough week one match, but you just know that Bellamy Bellamy knows how to get the, the timing right, and I've got absolutely no reason to doubt him. Uh, they're pretty much back to full fitness, I think, aren't they? Like, you know, uh, he's obviously carrying that little infection, but you expect him to play. Well, you, you'd, you'd think, but they've got a way up. They've got, no well, they've got a way up. If it happens again and they lose, it was a couple of week recovery. So if he comes out, plays or goes off or it doesn't work out, they're probably risking week two, three, maybe to a grand final. I think that's their bigger question this week. Like Papineau's had a good game last week, but it was against Cronulla. I'm more worried about the efficiency in the spine if it is Nico Hughes uh, and Pappenhausen at the back. I think Nico can definitely play in the front line. That's the role he's going to be playing. That's what he's played the whole way through. Fullback's more been something he's moved into and developed while he's at Melbourne. But, um, yeah, for, for this week, I think you've got to consider week three. I'm not saying you don't go all in, but if it's at the risk of reoccurring and he's, say, 70% or 80% or something like that, oh, I don't think they play Munster. But they took Addo Castro out of the mix. They didn't play any Duns and Drates with that one. They've just not named him full stop so a similar deal if it's a possibility you take him out for the rest of the finals I wouldn't do it and I've said it before and people think I'm mad I had a bloke at work say to me who's the most important player you think for Melbourne um, and he said is it Munster I said no for me it's Jerome Hughes I honestly think Jerome Hughes both the hookers are more important than Cameron Munster I know a lot of people again with numbers and the personality and who he is oh, I love Cameron Munster but I, I don't really think he's the spoon that stirs the storm drink I think Hughes does a lot of things you don't even realise or see he's very consistent he defends well he runs the football well his ball playing's developed his kicking game has developed greatly his overall vision those two nines again from what I said because Melbourne like to play very centrally off their forward pack and roll out of there and play through the ruck like I think all those guys being there, if Munster was not to play and Nico was to fill in there, I'd still have confidence. That's only me, but um, yeah, I've still got some worries again, also fitting all those guys in if they are back to normal and having Nico off the bench, how do they use him as Pappenhausen in a good headspace this week against a better opponent if things get tough again? Like, is that one game enough to sort of just snap you back to reality? There's no guarantee. And, um, yeah, I, I guess we'll talk about that more when we get into those matchups. Now we've looked at those teams and these four finals matchups. In the preview is brought to you by BlueBet.com.au. There is no better bookie to bet with than a true blue bookie like BlueBet.com.au. Go on the website or vi- uh, download the app today. And that first matchup we are going to talk about, and look at, is the Storm 
up against the Manly Seagulls, and they've got a great market for this one. It's Turbo or Pappenhausen to score any time for $2. It's a max 25 bet. So you're essentially looking at doubling your money there and you get two pops at two of the blokes who are the most likely to score. So a good market there for Turbo or Pappenhausen to score any time. $25 max bet for that market with bluebet.com.au. Get on board that one. I'll certainly be having a crack at that one. But the lineups as we spoke about for now, Pappenhausen's back at one. George Jennings has moved back on the wing. Strong centre pairing of Smith and Olam. Lumi Lumi gets the nod uh, on the wing with the Fox out on the left hand side. They've got Munster named for now. Nico's on the bench, so he'll, he would come in if that was the case. And, uh, the forward pack is back to full strength. Bromwich, Welch, Felice, Kenny, Dale, and the bench now has that punch of Tui and Nelson with Grant, who essentially comes on for Smith to push into that lock and play that position. If Nico was to move in and they were going to call an extra up to the bench, I'd say it would be between a Penne or Eisenhuth or Lewis. Like he, he likes all those guys, but if he's got two big middles, I'd probably think he'd lean towards maybe uh, you know a Tommy or a Lewis who has a bit more flexibility to play on an edge. Um, and on the flip side for Manly, the back line is intact, one to seven, the point scoring juggernaut that it has been, led by Tom Trevojevic. Uh, the only change I can see here is Josh Allier. I don't think he played last week. He's starting in the front row of Martin Tapao, Croker, the great back row of Olek Artu and Schuster with Jake Dravojevic locking it. And the bench, similar makeup, two big middles in Kepi and Paseka and two utility types. He's got Lawton, who originally was a nine, who was used as a back row or a floating player. And then Walker, who's essentially been playing, again, as a creative middle. Um so a lot of people have carried on about you have to have three big forwards on a bench or three forwards. Well, neither of these teams have done that for the majority of the year and they've been absolutely fine with the way the rules have gone. And obviously having extra minutes in other players in your forward pack and ways to shift around. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Around that, if you get in trouble, but this matchup, we saw it last time. A lot of people said Manly did this, Manly did that. I like what I saw for Manly. Um, I'm sure they're going to look at doing similar things again, but you'll have no doubt Melbourne will be better prepared and they still got the chocolates. But the shifting out of yardage, they're definitely going to do that again. Um, you know, that's not groundbreaking. It's something anyone could really do, but it's that risk-reward, which in that game, they had a low completion rate at the end, and it sort of hurt them. And part of that comes with that risk. If you want to shift in yardage when teams tighten up, get to the outside edges where you'll find defenders isolated or space and roll off the back of it, you've got a risk-reward factor there where if you're going to play that way, it might cost you. Uh, they played very well in that game for probably 60, 65 minutes, but... A few critical moments or drop balls or not cleaning up kicks with a difference. You look at what they're going to want to do. I think it's straightforward. Try and beat them up in the middle and get to the edges. And in particular, that right edge we spoke of, a lot of teams have gone after it and had a, a bit of love. They've got George back in this week. He went down early last time that game. If they can get some pressure on that side of the field, I'm sure they'll test 
him out. I'll test out Lumi under the high ball as well. If he's going to be on that left-hand side, he's going to be up against Saab, who's a hell of a target. Um, they have to do a good job on the back three, and they have to want to cycle Manly. This is not going to be one of those games like they've had before where they can go down by 12 or 10 or 6 here and there and then just explode and expect to have a 15-minute period like you can under this new style of game. Melbourne's going to go set for set with them. Melbourne's going to want to have a bit of a battle and play through the middle and build pressure and try to strangle them out of the game, and they're going to have to want to get involved in that. And Similar to what you said before, we saw last time they didn't stop Trebojevic but they limited his impact as badly as what others had. That's going to put more onus on people like your Cherry Evans, your Forens, Schuster when he's involved in the ball playing Croker. They're going to have to come up with plays, whether it is a kick, a pass, a running play. Like They can't put everything in the turbo basket and think that's going to be the way to ride to victory. No, as I said before, they're going to put him in positions where he's going to be successful. They've got to roll the middle and get him some good play the ball so he can be direct. He's similar, you know, to Ponga in that you don't want him on the back of those sweep plays. Like, you want him running in and around the ruck and being really, really direct because more often than not, if he carries the ball on a quick on a quick ruck, he's then going to generate another quick ruck. So, you know, it just has that compounding effect. Like, I see an avenue where men win and, like, the avenue is they, you know, they get even share. I'm not even sure it's so much about shifting the ball. Yeah, like a little bit of that, just to mix it up, is, is going to be good because you don't want to get bogged out in the middle where you know Melbourne are just going to wrestle the fuck out of you and, and get numbers in and slow it down that way. So, yeah, you, you want to move that point of attack to try and avoid that and, and break them up a little bit and attack them where they're thin, right? But I would expect you to sort of do that against most sides. Um, if Munster plays, like I'd be sending a lot of a lot of um, traffic at him, and I'd be sending a lot of traffic at Hughes, and I'd be I'd be doing it to the hookers as well. I'd be trying to get those boys to make plenty of tackles and tire them out, um, and and then I'd be bombing the fuck out of Pavanhausen and and bashing him as much as I could legally. I'm not saying taking him out, or, but you want to be really really physical with him. You want to put him in situations where he's going to catch the ball and then take heavy contact and. You know, really make him uncomfortable and test that confidence. You know that we sort of see, saw some of it come back last week, but you know that's where I really think you can you can get into Melbourne. But from Manly's perspective, um, it's pretty similar. Like if they get into that, you know, sideways movement, they get bogged down. They're going to lose territory. And if you allow Melbourne set plays and, and good ball sets, they're just going to eat you up with their play. And, you know, there's not many better teams at getting repeat sets and building pressure. So it's vitally important that... The most, well, the most important and critical part of the field, I think, is from Manly's try line when they receive the ball to their 40. Can they, can they move to their 40 to their 50 well and often? and then kick well on the back out of that position and try and pin Melbourne inside their 40. If they can do that, they're going to be able to compete. Mm. But if they can't, it's, it's going to be a long night. And, you know, you want to stop Melbourne on that play one too because you know their outside backs are going to carry the ball strong. Ado Carr and Olam will swing around. They'll carry the ball out and they'll help their middle forwards out. Uh, and then, yeah, you, like, you've got to keep disciplined. You don't want to be given... 
Melbourne late, you know, six agains or set restarts. And you don't want to be given them penalties where they can kick into good ball because we know how good they are from scrums and tucks. Uh, so, that, yeah, that's a little bit of the blueprint. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to this game of footy. Oh, it's going to be awesome. really looking forward to this game of footy. And I think part of my example, again, on the cycle, is you reflect back to the Manly Raiders game. It was Origin, yes. And I know that DCE... And Tom didn't play, but it was more the fact that even if they're there, if you look purely at that game, taking Tom's attacking part out of it, when they had to go set for set for Canberra and Canberra just worked them over the middle and turned them around and kicked and went back and forth, back and forth, some of the tries that come off the back of just wearing them out and getting to the... There were some really simple tries, like Sam Williams literally walked through twice. So that's what I was getting at before, that manly, when you see all these games where they've just blown teams away, or like the Bulldogs on the weekend... When it was a cycle and it was tight, they were a bit clunky at times, or they did get a bit sideways or bogged down or you know, a bit loosey-goosey and they get a bit frustrated. But when their things are flowing and they've got the momentum and it's all in their favour, it's just an absolute tidal wave. Um, and that's more what I'm getting at. Like You look at something like that Raiders game where that has really turned into a back and forth, back and forth, and just worked them down. Um, they, they found some love there. So I think, yeah, Melbourne would definitely be looking to do that and get their two hookers bouncing around the middle there, looking to find spaces and push them between and break them down. And for Manly on the flip side of that, plenty of traffic, like you said, at Munster. If he plays, and even if it's Nico on that edge, they're both marking Olaquatu. I'd be using him a lot more than Cherry Evans does. If, if anything, I think he underutilizes Olaquatu. I think too often, because they've had such a, a good time point scoring, that he, he always plays long to Harper or he gives long to Tommy rather than sometimes putting Olaquatu one-on-one, I just think that's a matchup you need to use more often. And you can roll off the back of that too. So I have no doubt whichever one of them plays, they're going to see traffic. Hughes, another one, like you said, purely for impact on the game. I'd be running Schuster at him constantly, getting traffic at him, bashing him, pounding those nines in the middle, really working them over. Like Melbourne have got two really good long-minute props in Welch and Bromwich. Their time to strike Manly, if you want to work the middle over more so in that regard, will be when you get Nelson and Tui on. If you can cycle those guys out quicker, it'll make Bellamy have to think about making those rotations quicker because at the moment, they don't have a lot of football under their belt. Yeah. So, in the end, um, lots of good things and we could talk all day, but this is my... Take the Melbourne side out of it. This is my favourite matchup for the weekend. I think this is the best game of the round. Yeah, I'm with you, man. But Looking forward to it. Let's get a tip. Uh, who are you going with? Uh, Melbourne. Yep. Uh, uh, mate, yeah, like I, I don't want to upset Manly fans. I think they're a huge chance. And I can certainly see a, a world where they win. But, you know, I'm going with the minor premiers. I'm going with, you know, they're back to full fitness last time they met. Melbourne won. They weren't at full strength. Yeah, <laughs> that's where my head's up. Yeah, I'm... Um got to go with Melbourne as well only because I think when they get in these positions week one is super important for them I do have genuine concern though um, in terms of just trusting that spine if, if Munster's there and he's a bit underdone and Pappenhausen like you said gets bashed early and it's a bit clunky and they lose their way I have no doubt they can stay in the game the forward pack the defence they'll do enough there to kind of keep it in flow but if, if they're down by you know only a try or whatnot, and they're lacking cohesion and confidence in the spine it's not like years gone by where, you, again, we, we're going back further. You cronk, a Billy or a Cameron can kind of put you back on the right track or steady things or come up with that sort of play. Um, 
I'm more looking at the two nines, but yeah, the, the one and six situation in particular, if Pappenhausen gets beaten up early or struggles a bit or Munster's not good to go, uh, I, I'd be a little bit worried attacking-wise, but... Uh, I'll tell you the other thing, you look at Manly's bench, like they got Walker, Lawton, Kepi, Paseca and Main there. I don't expect them to carry Walker and Lawton, do you? Uh, I thought they would have considered a Siren and tight, purely because... I, I was just thinking, I, I, would, I would bring Siren middle edge footwork offload and if not I'd be going the extra middle with Sipley because LIA can play big minutes Tapiao's a similar style to the Welch or a Bromwich where he doesn't need to be rotated after 40 he can play big minutes Paseca Kepi are not going to play long minutes um, but I'd, I'd probably want that third impact just depending on what you want do you want footwork and a bit of an offload and variety if so I'd be probably taking you know, you could have Sirenin. Uh, if I wanted another power player who's got feet and offloading can definitely bend the line, I'd be taking Sipley. Yeah. So, uh, Storm in a close one, but I'm, I'm generally worried. Um, and I think if Manly do win through from this game, they're a huge chance for the grand final, which is stately obvious. But if they're going to win the comp, I said it this week, this path for whichever team loses here, I think is going to be really, really harsh. Because if the Roosters win through... And they're healthy like they are. They're not going to give an easy run next week. And then you've got to go, I'm basically putting my house on that. It's going to be Penrith. You're going to have to play in week three and then come back and either beat Melbourne or Manly again out of whichever one wins, which is more why I said that this week for Manly and Melbourne. I think it's critically important for either of these teams because I think that side of the draw is going to end up being a lot harsher than if Penrith win through, get to week three, um, and their side of the draw, you know, that they're going to be sitting there waiting for one of these teams who's potentially had two very hard games. Second game, Titans-Roosters, probably not as much to break down technically, but I think this one's pretty straightforward. When you look at the Roosters, they're going to just be banking on that forward pack that they've got back and I think overwhelming the Gold Coast and trying to strangle them out of the game. I can see a world here where, you know, it's your Hutchinson kicking well, kicking to put him in bad positions, try to pick on Thompson probably in particular with the aerial contest, if possible. Uh, you know, try and pin him in there, play one, two roosters, ramp up and do what they'll do. They'll give away six agains just to establish themselves. They'll really tee off in that forward pack, try to turn it into a possession territory game. And if they complete well and sort of turn the screws there, um, I'm just really looking at this forward pack now with Jared, Toki in that sort of form. The edge has been back intact. There's going to be a lot of pressure on their edge defense, which is a place where the Titans can leak. Um, whether it's Crichton or Tupanua, Peachy and Fogarty are going to have to have their shoulders ready. Proctor's back from that injury. For Moore's really good with the ball, but again, at times can be caught out for Fido. Again, when he's on the field, can be a bit lazy against someone like a Crichton, who's got really good footwork and variety in his game. Um, for the Titans, everything we said earlier, just defense. Can they be disciplined defensively? Will they turn up? Can they win play one, two on their own kick chases? Can they build pressure? Can they pin them in? Um, and if they do get put under duress, can they go back to back sets and hold out? And that, that's more over an 80 minutes. I have more confidence in the Roosters just in some of those small areas than I do with the Titans. If they can generate ruck speed and get over the Roosters forward pack and find second phase and get some football and play to their edges and get Dave involved and get Tino and all these guys involved and let Campbell sort of float around. Like you, I can see a world where the Gold Coast Titans win, but just from what we've seen and the up-and-down nature this year, 
the Roosters sort of coming back into the what they are. I'm just looking at that Roosters forward pack, thinking that's that's got me all over the Roosters to win this game. Yeah, yeah, it's something up well. The Titans are just gonna, they're going to play their style. They can't get bogged down thinking they're going to be able to go step for step and beat the Roosters. That's going to suit the Roosters. They're going to want to kick, chase, cycle, and, and play that middle game. The Titans are sort of going to try and get away with that uh, and around that. I'd be trying to keep the ball in play as much as I can if I'm a Gold Coast. And I really think the Gold Coast outside backs have got to be similar to Newcastle's and they've got to play like front rowers. They need to give the Titans middle energy to tackle the Roosters and be effective on play one, two, three. So they need to make sure that when the Titans are kick receiving that those back three are bringing the ball back up as far as they can so those middles aren't having to travel back too far and then having to carry out of there. So I think that's that's going to be a big uh, determinant in terms of field position and how um, effective the Titans are going to be able to be in breaking the roosters down and giving themselves attacking opportunities. Yeah. And I, I think another one for me, we said this last week, you may be right in a late change for Walker for Lamb, but that move almost spoke to what I'm getting at with that final sort of mentality in defence and middles. If they're going to have Lamb, Morris, Satili on that edge, Morris, again, is only one game back from an injury. He was pretty average before he had that layoff. Lamb's solid and he'll put himself in front, but if the Gold Coast do get any sort of ascendancy in the middle and they're going to shift somewhere, the left edge is where I want to get to. I want to test out Lamb. I want to test out Morris. I think Kelly's a really good matchup on Morris if you get good ball and get him one-on-one. Kelly's got that ability where he's deceptively strong, but he's also fast. Um, Fafita's your other one if he's out there. It can't just be the same shit all the time where it's early ball, bully your way over. They've got to find ways to vary what they do with him. If you're working a middle and you're playing short and shifting to an edge, then at other times, drop him back under. Put him into space there and try and get him back into the ruck or put him straight on that half and try and play an inside or an outside shoulder. Don't just drive him into people or let him dictate, like, oh, just give me the ball and I run over people. Like, they, they need to utilise him much better than what they do. Yeah. Um, and I think Campbell's a real X factor. If this game yeah, gets tight, if this game gets tight and it, it needs a moment, um, I'm really looking at someone like him again. And, and again, like we just said, there's your Morris, there's your Kieran, who's still very early in the terms of games. There's spots here for the Titans to get to. Like, I like Herbert v. Kieran. I like Kelly v. Morris, etc. It's just all, again, can they go set for set with them can they remain patient can they remain disciplined but more importantly can they defend their way to a win we know they can attack but can they defend to keep themselves in this game yeah uh, for me I'm on the Roosters uh, I, I'm not I'm not calling it a big score here like I said I can see a tight game and, and again their style in the past of the Titans has given them a little bit of drama but I, I don't know I've just got a feeling that this whole year they've been dwelling and finding ways and scrapping and fighting and fighting their way through but to get Radley Jared back this week the ominous form from Tokiaho last week after being carrying injuries most of the year and being a bit down Crichton Satili um, yeah I, I'm really big on the Roosters yeah I'm tipping the Roosters but hoping the Titans yeah I'd love to see an upset in one of the games I think this is the only one that a lot of people wouldn't expect it but you know, it'd certainly make it very entertaining if we saw a really tight matchup and an underdog that slips in with a losing record rolls a team like the Roosters, especially after the year they've 
had fought into this position and the players have getting back, that would be a huge story. Yeah. It's, uh, the odds for those two games from bluebet.com.au, by the way, while I've lost myself gibbering about football, the Melbourne Storm are $1.38. The Manly Ring of Sea was a three oh five. The start there is eight and a half. Uh, if you like one to twelve, which I do for this game, or the try about the six or points or less either team, one to twelve storm is two eighty five, four dollars fifty for the Sea Eagles. And again with bluebet.com.au, the Roosters Gold Coast odds a dollar twenty five are the Roosters. Titans are three ninety five, twelve and a half points start. Um, again, if you like a tight game, Roosters one to twelve is three fifteen, Titans five twenty five. Uh, I don't mind the twelve and a half start to be honest. No, That's pretty generous, uh, I think. But uh, the third of the matchups that we've got here, Panthers Souths, and again, speaking about blueprints for Souths, it was there last time. They turned up, they matched their intensity in the middle, they defended well, they front loaded their energy, play one two, they kicked well, they built pressure, they got repeat sets. The biggest problem is they didn't bank points, and then when the screws got turned on Souths, and I said this before, their four losses are all to the same teams. Panther Storm, the two teams are going to have to beat. They can't lose composure. They can't have their emotional discipline disappear. Like people brought up again and the point I made last week about, or oh, the least penalised team in the comp. That that's fine when you're beating teams by 50 and 60. But in these three or four games, I'd like to see what the numbers are, or what you see in these games. Like Melbourne just blew them off the park. Penrith just blew them off the park. The second time, you know, they played. Um, similar story after dominating for a period there Penrith just blew them off the park with the emotional discipline that we talk about going out the window getting you know just losing your composure Walker forcing his hand things getting a bit niggly and push and shove and coming up with errors and the man saw thing after starting all fiery they bombed the crap out of him they beat him down he's kind of loses his swagger Latrell's not catching bombs like Regardless of how this game plays out, if it's in the balance or they go down by a try or two, their emotional discipline needs to remain. That is my biggest question with Souths and their composure in these big games. But their, their back three has to be good. You know what kicking is going to come here. It's a huge game for Taff. I think Paulo's got a drop or two in him. Um, if I'm Cleary, I'm spotting up those two big time on that sort of mid-range kick that he has where he has that wobbler from, say, halfway. Um, Johnston, you know, he, he's a bit safer, but if I'm going to pressure anyone, it's one of those two. Can they get out of yardage? Like, Johnston's not a great yardage carry. Taft's even smaller. Um, you know, losing the trail hurts a lot there. I think there's going to be a huge focus on Gagai, Campbell Graham. Paulo's like a big body, but he runs a bit upright. You can get under him. They're going to have to be better there to get those guys on the front foot, and we talk about it. It's a workman-like forward pack with Nichols, Tatola, Arrow, etc., but... If you're not on the front foot and you're waiting for someone like Tommy Burgess to come bend the line for you, it could be three plays before you know you got him back behind the ball. And if they do that to Cook, we know that Cook's pretty one-dimensional in terms of what he offers. He just wants to run. He hasn't even been doing that. He doesn't offer a lot of manipulation, kicking, deception. Um, and if you also isolate them there, it takes away being able to get sewer one-on-ones or Keon Kalamatungi, who's a hell of a back rower with good feet and, and powerful. Like it really pigeonholes all those guys in if your set starts are bad and you play one twos and you back three to constantly trying to carry out of yardage and keep your head above water and then you're going to have Reynolds kicking off the back foot and um, unfortunately for South Fan, like that, that's really the picture I've got in my head I, I just see a world here where Penrith overwhelmed them 
kicked them to death and they really struggled, particularly with the back three and set starts. It's just going to put a lot of pressure on the forward pack and the halves and uh, find a bit of a struggle. That's that's just what I'm envisioning for some reason. They've lost Latrell since the last time they played him. Penrith are improved. Penrith's squad is better. Penrith would have learned a lot out of that game. South punched him in the face for 30 minutes. Then ended up, I think it was 12 or maybe at half time or 12 10. South would have led. I just don't see a world where, unless Penrith are right off their game, where South are going to be able to really do a number and, and roll. It's such a significant injury uh, sorry suspension and loss in Latrell Mitchell it's huge and to expect Taft to come in and and give it the same impact is it's just impossible so yeah look if Penrith were anywhere near their best they'll beat South they'll beat them comfortably in, in my opinion how does how South how does South you know generate momentum as we said before like Walker's going to run I think Walker's going to get back and receive kicks I think Adam Reynolds' kicking game has to be beyond perfect yeah I'd be taking the two every time you know you think Reynolds can knock it over I'd be taking time out of the game I'd be trying to slow it down as much as I can I'd be trying to do everything that Penrith don't want you to do for the entire 80 minutes and just make it make it dour um but, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take consistency, concentration and attention to detail for 80 minutes. Oh, I'm not sure South's got that in them. No, and that's the other point, even if they did get also, all these things. You know, it's also going to take, <clears throat> you know, some refereeing decisions. And, you know, there's a lot made. And I didn't think they got the rub of the green last time these two teams ran into each other, but I didn't think it impacted the result. Um, and, look, Green Atkins doesn't have this, have this game. I think he's got the Storm game Oh, great. Um, Jesus, <laughs> God, God help us if Ashley Klein's got this game. No, Jared Sutton's got this game. So, I'll you know, tell you what. refereed a little bit differently. What did you say, bud? I'm so disappointed now you've said Grant Atkins. I, my favourite referee out of the ones they've got going, honestly. Grant Atkins has the Storm Manly game. Yeah, I'm not happy about that. My favourite ref, honestly, and I think the least disruptive and the calmest out of all the ones remaining is Adam G. I think Adam G's the best ref. Adam G's got Roosters Titans. Yeah, well, he got the worst game. And that means Klein got Power Newcastle. I don't know how the refereeing world works, and none of us are ever going to understand. But Klein got Power Newcastle. When I watch games now and I look to the next person... You know, that I'm looking at going, he's a good referee. For me, it's Adam J. Yeah. I think he handles his business. He's confident with his decisions. He doesn't over-involve himself. Um, yeah. If Atkins interrupts with that game, honestly, give himself a fucking triple. Stay out of the way. Yeah. And same deal with Klein. Klein just letting things unravel and not being consistent and missing things and tension builds up. Uh, Sutton can be good at times. I can find him a little bit hot and cold, but uh, for the most part, he likes to stay out of the way. But there's also other games like Origin where you've seen complaints about, oh, there wasn't enough penalties, and the next time he's come out and blown the shit out of it. Um, If I was going to have anyone for that game, I I would have preferred it be Adam G. But, yeah, yeah. for Penrith, like we said, on the flip side of it, Yardage, Toto's back. He's been absolutely massive the last two weeks. Edwards just carries the house down. He's got a motor for days. 
throws himself into the line, covers a lot of ground, gets him on the front foot, which brings your Fisher-Harris, Leotas, etc., all onto the ball. They're dangerous both sides of the field. They've got one of the best facilitators, which help them be able to jump into those shapes quickly. With your yos, they get outside that first three defenders on the inside. They get away from where it's thick. They get straight to the thin. And the left side now is hotting up. Nathan's brought back the steering wheel. He's freed up Luai. They've got Burton out there, who's just as dangerous a runner as he is, an extra ball player. Kick out at Reynolds. Plenty of traffic there, you'd think, just hammering him. Um, Toto's going to, I think, see a bit of space on his side. And the rotation off the bench... We talk about it again before to bring on Martin, who's a nutbag, and Pengai, who I'm sure he's, you know, last few weeks looks happy as Larry and just playing around this sort of team and Lainu for 15, 20 minutes with that sort of leg speed. I, I honestly just see them overwhelming Souths. And again, like your Totolas, your Nichols, you know, Burgess, Arrow, they're going to work and they're going to do their job. But to maintain that for 80 minutes and not be overworked or overwhelmed, I think it's going to take a big effort. And... The only way, again, I can see things working out well, super clean from the backfield, lots of help from Graham and Gagai and Yardage to try and get them front foot, Walker playing early, Murray laying play levels for Cook, and Cook somehow having the best game he's had in the last 18 months, but I just don't see it. Um, so I'm, I'm big on Penrith, I think. I think they might put a bit of a statement here week one and then uh, await week three, whoever comes back around. So both on the Panthers and with bluebet.com.au, they're a dollar twenty-three, the heaviest favourite of this weekend in terms of head-to-head odds. Souths are now four dollars twenty-five minus eleven and a half is the line there. An interesting game today, which again I don't know what Wayne Bennett's hoping to achieve. And you play some mind games, but Penrith wouldn't be worried about their lineup because I'm sure they've got all the confidence in the world. But they were saying today, are you going to play fullback Blake? Oh, we don't know. And Cody Walker saying, you know, wait and see. So whether it is a bit of a rotation there or it's Johnston. Like, I've heard some people argue it should be Johnston. Johnston should never play fullback. He does not a ball player. He's not physical and his yardage carries. He's not correct. Like, Taff is a one. Taff's come through. He's played one. It's just that he's not the trail. It's, that's all it is. He's the best suited for that position. And if you take Walker off the wing, you lose your best finisher and that margin for error that I spoke of before off those left side shifts, which right now... They can get things sort of wrong with lines, timing, or passes and make up for it because when they've got Cody Luttrell and Johnston, they've got speed, running threats, and other things that cause runners to either overcommit, get caught in field, or he just burns people on the outside. Like right now, they've got no room for that error. So if you're going to play them in any position, Taft stays at one and Johnston stays in the wing. Yep, I agree. <laughs> but um, yeah. 1 to 12, if you think it's going to be a tight game with bluebet.com.au, 295 for the Panthers, 550. For the Bunnies, if you think it's going to be a blowout, the Panthers 13 plus is $1.95. Uh, the last one we've got here, Eels up against the Newcastle Knights. I, I look at this one, and it's it's exactly what we spoke about before, about these two teams. The key point for both these sides is their forward packs. Um, Newcastle with the twin Safidi brothers, Frizzell Barnett on the edges, Watson as that man who floats, has an impact, leg speed, bobbing and weaving. Braley work in the middle, Manipulating, jumping. Uh, if they can do that and do what they did against Canberra and then get Pierce just kicking, controlling. Clifford, when he runs and plays direct there, he's a bigger body. He's got also got some nice wobbly kicks there that he can put up. But Ponga um, for their attack, which, like we said, has just been horrendous. 
this forward pack needs to do a job and they just need to get him playing on the ball up in the front line without all this bullshit shape and long side shifts and double blocks and double lead. It's way too overstructured. All the moments we've spoken about, whether it be the two tries in the Titans game, which was him exactly that, off the cuff, playing on the ball and dictating and people just playing around him, or that Canberra game again where they've rolled, got in the ball, he's pushed through, he's skipped across defenders, he's put best in the space. Like, he's just somebody that you need to lay a platform for, kick in the front door and let him play off the back of it. Pierce will pull the strings behind him. Clifford and Pickle choose his moments. Um, if they don't do that, like you said, I, I generally worry out of yardage. Like Hunt's solid. Anari tries hard, but he's not a big body. Best needs to help out more. Um, and then defensively, I, I kind of have questions on both Best and Man. And I told you last week, I was heavy on Herbie up against Man, and I got a good win off her. He scored off the grabber, but if you just go watch the footage, every time Herbie got the ball, he... If he didn't get around him or get on the outside of him or get over the top of him, he just gave him a bunch of drama. And It's hard for me to say this because I've given plenty of grief over the years, but Wanga Blake's form as of the last few weeks has been some of the better form he's had. If they don't win the middle and they shift to their left side in particular where Brown is now linked back on that side, which was where they had you know, most of their points generated the year before, I can see a world here where Wanga gets ball again, much like Herbie early, and can get to the outside and give drama there and just create problems at man. And, um, you know, their middle, like we said, they're going to work hard, but the, the bench sort of worries me. King and Sue and Jones, like, they're all guys that do a job, but, um, you know, they're not mighty impactful. And you got Clemmer there, who looked like he had busted ribs last week. How how healthy he's going to be, I don't know. But when I look at Para, if it's Papali'i rotating with Campbell Gillard and Paul, I, like, that's huge. And if they, I, I would have. Honestly, had Oregon probably have a Makatara. I think he's been really, really good the last few weeks. Or even like Cartwright. Well, they got Cartwright there. I would have preferred to have, you know, Oregon in there with Papali and Makatara. Like Papali covers middle and edge. Um, they've gone with Cartwright and Will Smith, so they've sort of got an edge utility and a, a half nine utility. Madison sitting there, like you said, I don't, man, I don't know whether it's just a long layoff. They're not as confident to throw him back in, but uh, I, I tend to think. The Ford packs cancel themselves out a little bit. The nine situation worries me for Parramatta, but if, if they bring that sort of energy and intent they did against Melbourne, I, I can see them overwhelming Newcastle slowly as the game goes on. I can see them being better out of yardage. I can see them being better play one, two, trapping Newcastle and putting the strangle on it. If Moses gets those downtown kicks right and they try to overwhelm them and just pressure them and strangle them there, you, you'll slowly see Brown and that left side come into it, Gutherson floating around and linking into those plays and being a bundle of energy. And um, A lot of it's going to have to be, like we said, off the halves, especially now with Stone playing at nine and that forward pack lane of platform. Yeah, I agree. Um, the, the, the concern for me is that nine position, but, you know, if they roll, like, you know, I can't see them getting beat. The key to victory for Newcastle is probably two things I'd highlight. One, you've got to win the middle, you've got to slow power down. Number two, you need your key position players, Clifford, Pierce, Ponga, running. Yeah. And playing direct. Not playing block, block, sideways, corner post, footy. Get those guys on the back of quick play the balls and get them running at, you know, the Parramatta edge defenders, the three men in particular. Be running a shitload of traffic at um, Moses and Brown trying to crash those big back rolls into them 
Um, I'll be working over um, the nine, what's his name, the replacement nine, um, and just making stone, making stone, making absolute shitload of tackles. Um, but just trying to win possession and win field position and, and from there work your way into a game. We've seen Parramatta implode when, you know, they don't get the running. They don't handle a grind real well, Parramatta. Um, but, you know, well, look, if Parramatta come out and play like they did against Melbourne, then it'll it'll be a cakewalk for them. Mm. But if... I guess the question is, was that a once-off or is that something that we're going to see now moving into the finals? Yeah, I also worry... A bit like we said, like if Newcastle do in the middle, can they generate the points? Because even in some of these last few weeks, when I've thought, okay, they've got to find out. Well, they've got to, they've got to give themselves an opportunity. Yeah, that that they need to really throw things out and get back to basics and just playing off that momentum. Because at times they they shift for the sake of shifting, or they they set it up, or even when they do get momentum, and it's just it's way too telegraphed. All the good moments, if you go look there, the last six to eight weeks have all come off eyes up football, playing off that roll on or picking numbers and just playing the space. It, it's been quite frustrating. And Clifford has that ability, much like a Ponga. They've both come through similar setup at North Queensland there in the 20s, and I think they weren't too far from crossing paths. They might have even played some football together, so they know that sort of setup. And, you know, Pierce can be that guy to facilitate and kick and play off the back of it. But the shackles need to be released here. I don't know whether it's a control thing. Um, if it's led by the players and the structure or if it's the coach, you know, Brian, and it's sort of him thinking that's best practice. But I can see a world, again, where the, the forward packs go at each other and it comes down to the halves. But, yeah, for Clifford and Ponga in particular to generate a lot more than what they have been and put themselves in better positions to play eyes up football or run the ball and just play to space. But, um, yeah, no, I'm tipping the eels and can see... Uh, can see this return of Campbell Gillard along with the confidence they got there in this forward pack really matching Newcastle and then just some of those matchups on the edge of man's a great player he does a job he fills in a lot of spots but looking at him against Herbie and a couple of guys there if they get early ball and get Wunger and Brown and those guys pushing around that sort of space I I can see that left side opening up a little bit and even Penasini on best I've got big opinion of Penasini I spoke about him in the preseason that I thought we'd see him I, I I thought we would have seen him earlier, but against Melbourne last time, he defended Olam very well. He's not scared of that battle. He's not going to be scared of best, and when he gets the ball, he's also quality. Yeah. So, yeah. you're on Parramatta as well? On the Eels. And the odds with bluebet.com.au, $1.40 a Parramatta, two ninety five for Newcastle, minus 7.5 is the line there. If you think it's going to be tight, 1 to 12, 285 uh, is the Eels, 420 for the Newcastle Knights and that wraps up uh, looking at those four games and the first week of finals I guess the last thing we can sort of do here is look at the uh, the premiership market I haven't looked in quite a while I know the top two were heavy but Melbourne Storm are now $2.50 Penrith is shortening massively $2.70 and bluebet.com.au like most bookies have those two very short Manly's come in they were about 8 uh, sorry, 10, 12 bucks a few weeks ago. They're now 6.50, third favourite. South's at 10. Um, I think even that, again, it's not enough. And I don't, I can't see it. And everything beyond that, I can't see. But Parramatta, 26. Roosters, 29. 67 for the Knights and $81 for the Gold Coast Titans. I think your value out of anything there is if you like Manly to get the win this week, which I think puts them in a real good spot to make the GF. Um, 
six fifty is pretty good. Massive, yeah, hundred percent. I'm on the Panthers, uh, but yeah, if I was going some value, I'd, I'd probably throw some money on Manly. Yeah, and uh, Quinella's Melbourne Penrith as short as their odds together, two fifty to play each other. Your value combination is probably Manly Penrith. If Manly would win through and Penrith go through, it's eight dollars for them two to go through and play in the grand final. Um, out of those sort of combinations, yeah. Manly Melbourne's three fifty if they come back around the long way. Um, but yeah, similar deal again. Everyone's very very heavy on those two and Manly. It's sort of one outsider. Um, but I'll definitely be taking that market we spoke about earlier that they've put up for Pappenhausen Turbo two dollars any time for either of them to score. Max $25 bet excludes South Australian markets. Gamble responsibly, but um, the big thanks again to bluebet.com.au and our, our charity account box. We didn't get a win on the weekend, but we've been increased to $100 this week, so we've got a bigger chance to make an impact in the next four weeks and crack that $1,000 mark. Good. So, good, good, good. <clears throat> if we're going to have a bet on one of these games or one of those markets, what do you reckon? Well, I sent you one earlier that I took, um, and it was lo- all lines. I took Manly 12.5 start. I got that at about... We can't, we can't have a multi, can we? No, nah, we unfortunately there. can't. It's going to be a single, so... Um, if it was going to be a single bet, uh, maybe one of the Penrith left-edge players to score. I could see a world, again, where... Kick What's kick out, kick out on Reynolds or... Someone like that crashing over. I can see Wanga, like I said, I, I like the matchup he's got with Man. Um, the Roosters, I, I like Crichton playing on his edge again. There's a few there that I don't mind. Uh, but looking at the try scorers there for Penrith, Burton is $2, kick out $2.40, running at Reynolds. Let's get, off. Let's get on that. That's the sort of space you're looking at there. And. In that Gold Coast game, similar deal. Brewster's very left side heavy in terms of some of the shapes they've ran the last few weeks. Angus Crichton's $2.80. Parramatta game. Who did I say? I said one, I like Wanga Blake in that matchup. He's two twenty-five. dollars yeah, probably kick out two forty. He's probably the one that stands out of those few we've just spoke about. That might be the one we go with. Like Melbourne Manly, I think, too too much to go through or think about in that clash. I think Olam's had a bit of love the last few times. He scored a couple of doubles. They like getting to his edge, obviously, and he, he poses a fair threat. But, um, yeah, finals game, a bit tighter. I think that Penrith game, any of those guys sort of over $2 probably aren't a bad shout. Yeah. Right, there you go. In-depth look at all the teams before the finals kick off, and then a look up at those head-to-head matchups and our thoughts about how things will go, um, you know, and how the games will shake out. And big thanks to Penrith Solar Centre. If you're looking to put a system on, it's that time of the year things are starting to heat up. There is no one better in the business of solar. Get on to them today. www.penrithsolar.com.au or call 800-20-2930 and bluebet.com.au. Visit the website or download the app today. There is no one to bet with. 
better than the true blue bookie in blue bet. So, finals footy box head. How exciting! Yep, awesome. Enjoy, uh, enjoy it, everyone. Should be excellent. Yep, 100%. First week of finals, eight teams remaining. There'll be six as of next week when we return. If your team's in the finals, best of luck. Uh, hopefully, things work out. Not a lot of change this year, like we said. Seven teams have returned. Only one has not returned in the Camp Raiders. Manly fans, plenty of hope as they've uh, burst their way back into the finals. and Two. Oh, the Titans, sorry, and the Sharks were out. We said this before in that other preview, so Titans fans, you've got hope, but I think Manly fans in particular are really riding this wave of Tommy Travojevic, and they've got fingers, toes, eyes, and everything crossed that if they get the win this weekend, they'll be very confident uh, moving forward that they're a big chance, but we'll see how things shake out. Stay safe, stay busy, and for now, enjoy your week. I think if Manly lose and Titans win, we get the Mudgy Massacre. Mm, you do because it's that side of the draw. Oh, come on, bring it on! <laughs> Magic yeah. Well, it'll be in Rockhampton. So, what would you call Ravina, that one? The Ravina Rampage will be. That's going to be at Rockhampton. The Rocky Rampage. That's probably one thing I should address before we go. They've clarified today uh, that the final series, obviously, is staying up there. So, next week. I'm sorry, is Mackay both games and then the prelims are both at Suncorp and then the grand final at Suncorp. So no surprises there um, that we're not getting it here and that it's a no-brainer, I guess, that it was going to be in Queensland if that was the case. Yeah. Um, and one last thing, again, I only really saw it before we came on, should have brought it up again, but we're in the finals mix. QRL, Paul Green, gone. Yeah, gone to this. They've said it was... Uh, they're hearing already that that's that's the way it's looking and they're talking multiple years and big point sticking point which again I I think part of it is I don't really know if they're that keen to keep him but he's obviously super keen to be an NRL coach again and they want someone who's obviously not looking to leave uh, in the short term because they want to build something similar to what New South Wales have done and have the 16s 18s pathways and someone really invested in overseeing everything so um, you know Billy Slater's working in TV, much like Fitlow, he'd have time to implement and have his hands in on a program like that and do something similar to what New South Wales Rugby League's done. So, uh, And it's also, I don't think an arena where you need you know, an NRL coach per se. Like You get the best players in the game if you've got the right players and decent tactics and a bit of an idea of what you're doing. Like I know Billy Slater's not a coach in terms of an NRL coach, but he's definitely was one of the smartest players that played the game. I'm sure, you know, with the help of a couple of those ex-players, if they pick the right team, they can put a game plan together. Yeah. But if you had the likes of him, Cooper Cronk now on the board, Cameron Smith, who's talked about being involved, all get involved in the pathways along with Thurston in terms of developing your pathways through and being involved in coaching, that surely could only be good things for Queensland. 100%. So... Uh, wait for an announcement on that one but yeah the sticking point mainly seemed to be uh, they want someone long term and Green's definitely not guaranteeing that he wouldn't leave to take an NRL job so they're headed in a different direction and we'll we'll wait and see but uh, everything I heard today it's looking like Billy Slater on a multi-year deal so wait and see when we get the announcement I guess wow Mm. big changes but for now finals is upon us enjoy your weekend and enjoy your rugby league Bring it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it?
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 